Lord God, your name is powerful. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. Lord, the name of Jesus is where we find our strength and our purpose. The name of Jesus is where we find power. Lord, we don't come on our own. We don't go into the world. We don't go on mission on our own, but we go under the banner of the very name of Jesus Christ. And in his great name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So I've talked before about the uh, somewhat well-known Christian businessman known as R.G. Letourneau. R.G. Letourneau. By the way, that one's for you, Finley. Uh, Finley loves R.G. Letourneau, and he does for a good reason. This man was probably one of the best examples, one of the greatest examples of someone who had become very, very successful, very wealthy, and was such a strong believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, he is at one time reverse tithing. You ever heard of reverse tithing? As wealthy as he was, he was giving 90% of his money away and was living on 10%. And he made his fortune in earth-moving equipment. That's where he made his fortune. He was uh, from down south and made his, uh, made his fortune in that. And uh, the story's told of one time one of his salesmen was out on a sales call and was pitching one of their latest pieces of equipment, and it was the model number and then G. It was model G. And so the person on the other end of the sale uh, was saying, okay, what does the G stand for? And of course, the salesman, quick-witted, didn't actually know what it stood for, but quick-witted said, it stands for gossip. It's the gossip model. And the guy's like, what? The gossip model? He's like, yeah, the only thing that throws as much dirt as this thing is gossip. So we're going to call it the gossip model, because gossip throws the same amount of dirt. Well, today we're talking about the words of a gossip. And really, the entirety of this, this three-verse passage is speaking about contention as a whole, but especially when it comes to that weapon, probably the most profound weapon of contention, which is gossip, which we'll get to at the end of it in verse 8. But as we come to verses 6 through 8, we see here the fool's lips enter into contention. And his mouth calls for blows. Now, if this is your first week with us, as we've been walking through this sermon series in the book of Proverbs, probably the most common theme that we see in all of Proverbs, and really it could be sort of the byline for the title of the book of Proverbs, is the wise versus the fool. The wise versus the fool. Now, again, for those of you who've been with us, you've heard this ad nauseum, but we got to drill it into our heads. But if you're new today... Understand this, the biblical idea of the fool is not someone who's ignorant, almost like we use the word in kind of common culture. It's not someone who's ignorant, but it's someone who knows what's right, but chooses not to do it. It's not a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of, of are they standing against God in disobedience to his word? That's what the biblical fool is. And so we see here as we continue, the fool's lips enter into contention. And his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. So again, we bring into this, we've talked about the lips before, but another common theme that we see in the book of Proverbs. And listen to this. The words of a talebearer, some of your translations say gossip, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, tasty trifles. Listen to the power of these words, just the picture it creates. The words of a talebearer like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. So we see this. We see this uh, person that causes contention. The fool is not only one who seeks after and causes contention, but is the one who participates in probably the most profound weapon of, the, uh, of contention, which is the weapon of gossip. Listen to this. Very, 
very straightforward summary today. Write it down. It's going to be on the screen. A fool causes contention and brings about his own destruction. His primary weapon, what is it? Is gossip. Is gossip. Lord, as we again come to your word today, may you help us to uncover this in our own lives. It's probably one of the most common sins that all of us actively participate in. And Lord, help the fact that that it may be familiar to us. Help us, Lord, to, to not in our own broken nature just sort of sweep it under the rug and act like it's okay and dismiss it. But Lord, may you bring that loving conviction in our lives. May you show us this area. May you show us if we are ones that are quick to contention, if we are ones that are quick to causing difficulty and strife, and if we are ones, too, that are quick to gossip, Lord God. Help us see that. Help us see that area in our life. And of course, help us to root out that that problem. Help us to root out that sin in our lives. We know it's not easy, but Lord, we can do it and we can do it in your power and your power alone. And again, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, oftentimes we've talked about when there's an issue of sin in our life, it's it can become intertwined and twisted. And I didn't bring the picture with me today, but you know, I've shown that picture before of a bike where a tree is grown around it. You know, a bike that is decades old and it was propped against a tree. And you've seen this before. Maybe a tree grows around a fence line or something like that. We showed a picture where that was the case as well. Someone had leaned a bike against a tree, forgotten about it in the woods, and the tree had grown around it. And again, we've seen this with fence lines. And the point of the picture is this. That yes, you can get that bike or you can get that fence line out of there, but man, it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of difficulty. And oftentimes when we see contention and the weapon, the primary weapon of contention being gossip, yes, we can root that out of our lives, but we can do it only when we realize it's not ultimately us that's doing it. We can only do it under the power of God. And so the very first thing that we see here in verse 6 are words of contention, very simply, words of contention. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. Now, again, it's not just the ignorant one. It's not the ignorant one. It's not the one who doesn't know better, and, and so you kind of dismiss it. Oh, he, didn't, he didn't know any better. It's the person who does know better, but does it anyway. And what do we see? A fool, listen to this. Again, write it down. A fool by his words is constantly stirring up strife. A fool by his words is constantly stirring up strife. So again, when we look throughout the book of Proverbs, we see these characteristics of the fool. Again, not the one that's ignorant, but the one who is disobedient to the word. And this again is one of these characteristics of the fool, the one who is stirring up strife. Now we see the opposite of this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. In the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, in the section of the Sermon on the Mount known as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And what does Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, does this mean that we go about just not addressing issues that need to be addressed? Do we just kind of go around just sort of, again, sweeping things under the rug or avoiding necessary discussions and necessary conflict? No, not at all. But you have to check your heart. Is your heart about, hey, I want to be right? Is your heart about proving others wrong? Or is it about this is something that needs to be addressed and I want to address it? And then do you do all that you can to make sure that you keep that discussion productive and amicable? 
There's a huge difference. There's night and day difference between the person who, again, as we see, speaks the truth in love, as we see from the New Testament, and the one who is looking for a fight, looking for a difficulty, and loving to just stir up strife. You see, a fool not only he gets not only does he get pleasure from stirring up and participating in these fights, but also seeing them from afar. Many of you on social media may have seen recent, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, of the guy that got in a fight. He's called the Bagel Boss guy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a guy, and it's unfortunate that Bagel Boss, the store, has gotten linked to Bagel Boss, the guy, who, who got in a fight in the midst of a Bagel Boss restaurant. Someone, he's, I can't remember exactly how it was started. It's not quite clear how it started, but he was, thought somebody was picking on him because of his height. He was a shorter man, thought somebody was picking on him because of his height. He started a fight, wrestling around, and it went viral. Now, here's the thing. Uh, it comes out later that he was probably staging all of this because he had many, made many attempts to try to be someone who became viral, and sure enough, his video did, did, uh, did go viral. But either way, what does it explain, whether it's legitimate or whether it's staged, probably which it was, again, it illustrates the fool. And even if it was staged, it, it, uh, it describes exactly what the contentious fool can do when taken to the nth degree. Now, don't dismiss ourselves here. Don't say, well, okay, well, I'd never do that, so I would never uh, illustrate with my own life what we see here in verse 6. No, now, you might not be someone that's going and starting a fight in a bagel restaurant, but we all at times, if we're walking in the flesh, we're walking in the old sin nature, we can be ones that aren't trying to be peacemakers, but we can be ones that are out stirring strife. Now, again, hear me once more. That doesn't mean to be a peacemaker doesn't mean that we just sweep everything under the rug and leave things unaddressed. But no, it's all about your heart. Are you wanting to speak the truth in love? Are you wanting to bring about resolution, or are you one that loves to stir up strife? What does it say here in Proverbs 17.1? Look at it on the screen here. Write down the reference, and you can read it along with me here as we read it on the screen. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, you think that's just a platitude? You think God's just sort of overstating something for effect? Or do we believe that this is the word of God and this is truth? He's saying it's better to have meagerness in your home if it's a home of peace than to be a wealthy person if your house is full of strife. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Do we believe that? Because here's the thing. Be careful what you wish for. It is better to have meagerness in life than to be a house full of feasting with strife. What is he saying there? That's most important. That is preeminent in your life to be one who has peace and not one who seeks out strife. So a fool's lips, again, enter into contention. The second part of verse 6 says this, and his mouth calls for blows. This is the idea of stirring stuff up amongst others, not only himself, but also the person who kind of stirs the pot with two or three other people as well. So he stirs the pot that he's in the midst of, and he can also stir the pot from afar. How does one do this? Well, gossip one, and we're going to get to that in verse 8. Also, urging others to retaliate. If you're that friend that's telling somebody when, when, when somebody is offended, someone's hurt by another person, if you're the one, maybe not even overtly, but in a roundabout way, or saying, hey, you need to kind of get back at them. I know most of us are adults in here, and most of us have enough sort of social skills to not say that directly. We're not going to say, hey, you need to go get back at that person, but we can often kind of imply that indirectly. We may not even be realizing it. We can be thinking like the world, that pound of flesh, 
We can be thinking, they offended me, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get them back. No, what we do is we go and we speak the truth in love. We talk to that person. We don't sweep it under the rug and let it boil over and bubble over. We go and talk to that person. But we go in a spirit of forgiveness, ready to forgive. Also, it can be along the lines of blowing a slight out of proportion. When someone's offended me, because guess what? We live in a broken world with broken human beings, of which you are one. We are all broken humans living in a broken world. We will be hurt by someone else, and we will hurt other people. So also, are we going to forgive, or are we going to blow that slight out of proportion and seek after strife? Listen to this. Proverbs 17, 14. Again, write down the reference. Read along with me. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. We get this picture, don't we? We have this picture of a dam that's about ready to break. When you see little pieces of water, you see streams of water poking through and difficult uh, and things coming through and poking through and someone's here kind of sticking their fingers in the dam before it just completely breaks open. He says, deal with it before the water starts because once the strife begins, it is as if that dam has broken wide open. Stop contention before a quarrel starts. Secondly, we see this in verse 7, the words of self-destruction. Words of self-destruction. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Folks, write this down again. Read this. A fool that sows strife reaps self-destruction. The one who sows strife will reap self-destruction. Verse 7 again, the first part, a fool's mouth is his destruction. Do you remember that famous line from Top Gun where the commander says to, to Maverick, he says, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Well, most of us have also heard that saying that's very close to it. Your mouth is writing checks your body can't cash. A fool's mouth becomes his destruction. The one who is not watching his words, the one who is not watching his mouth. And again, we know from, from the New Testament, we're told that, the, uh, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we'll get to that at the end of the message of how do we begin to fix the mouth? We fix the mouth with the root, with the heart. Proverbs twelve thirteen: the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. The righteous will come through trouble. Folks, if we walk and we live in righteousness, guess what we will earn for ourselves? The benefit of the doubt. It doesn't mean we're always right. One who is walking in righteousness, yes, they're going to get things right more often because they're walking in God's way to live life. They're doing their best under God's power to live out his uh, instructions for life. But we will receive the benefit of the doubt. The wicked is ensnared by transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. Again, we see a fool's mouth is his destruction, the second part of verse 7, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The lips are the snare of his soul. You know, oftentimes the fool is stirring up strife with others. Sometimes maybe you're not even overtly realizing what you're doing. 
just kind of through gossip or some of these other things that we mentioned, stirring up trouble and, and wanting to, and, and kind of interested in what happens and sort of interested in the juiciness that happens around it. But what does the fool do? In the end, the fool ensnares his own foot. The, snare, the fool begins to trap himself. You know, we've all known someone like this, and maybe we've been like this at two in times in our life where it seems as though some people just thrive on drama, right? Almost like they just can't operate without drama. Drama follows them around. Drama isn't just sort of accidentally following them around, but they are in the midst and in the midst and the midst of drama, right? Some people seem to thrive on it. But listen to this. What does Ecclesiastes 10 say? Ecclesiastes 10, 12, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, gracious, but the lips of the fool shall swallow him up, setting a trap, snaring one's own foot. But the wise man, again, we see this dichotomy that we see throughout the book of Proverbs of the wise man compared to the fool. And what does it say about the wise man's words here? The wise man's words are gracious, gracious. Again, we live in a broken world. And even those of us who have been saved and been changed by Jesus Christ, we can walk in our own uh, old nature and our sinfulness. There are times where, again, we can take control back of our life from Jesus. Even though we are to give him control as Lord, we can sort of walk in our own way. And what do we do? We fall back into that old nature. And when we do, when we do, we can walk not in graciousness when difficulty happens, but we can lash out. We can cause strife. We can seek after gossip. We can seek after complaining. But what are we to do? We're to walk in grace. We're to walk in righteousness, walk in the word of God. And when we do, when we face the difficulties, when we face the problems, when we face the hurt that will happen because of others, we can respond with grace. Not sweeping it under the rug, not trying to let it go and, and lie to ourselves that we're letting it go and really it's just kind of bubbling up and, 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 and turning into a root of bitterness. We need to go and talk to that person, but we need to do it in grace, not going behind their back, not going behind a situation and stirring up strife. So how does this happen? When we say the words of a fool cause self-destruction, how does it happen? Well, one may be an untrustworthy reputation, Right? You can cause your own destruction by cultivating an untrustworthy reputation. What about if any of the circle of influence that you might run in, let's just take work. What if you have an untrustworthy reputation because you're causing strife? That causes some tremendous difficulty for you. Turning others against himself, that's how one can snare his own foot. That's how one can cause his own self-destruction, turning others against you. Inviting others' anger, inviting the anger of another person or just simply pushing others away. If you're a person that is causing strife, that is living out the verses that we see here of the fool that enters into contention, you will push others away. And so what do we do? What do we do? We begin to let God change our heart. We let God change our heart, as we'll see again at the end of verse 8. And in verse 8, we see this. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. They go down into the inmost body. So we see the words of a gossip. What do we understand from this, this verse? A fool cultivates an appetite for tasty gossip. The fool is not the person who is pushing gossip away, but the fool is the one who is cultivating that appetite 
for gossip. Now, you understand this is kind of a two-sided thing. This is the person that's not only cultivating that in others, but also cultivating that in oneself. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. When I hear this phrase, tasty trifles, in Scripture, I always think about the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, right? The Turkish delights and the lion, witch, and the wardrobe. It was so, so looking forward to those Turkish delights, those little jelly candies with the powdered sugar on them. Tasty trifles. When you see this same word used in different places in Scripture in the original language, and when it's in its verb form, it speaks like this, swallow greedily. So the same word that we see here in noun, when we see it in other places in Scripture in a verb form, it's speaking of swallowing greedily. Boy, doesn't that picture when we hear gossip or when we taste about or when we, when we hear about gossip or when we participate in gossip ourselves? Tasty trifles, swallowing greedily. So here's the thing. Here's a question that kind of came to my mind. I thought about this. Why, why is gossip so tasty to us? Why is it so tasty to us? Why do we see the, the truth of Scripture here and we're like, yeah, I can see that. Why isn't our first reaction, because usually it's around the difficulty of another person, why isn't our first reaction compassion? Why is it so tasty to us? And why is our first reaction when difficulty happens to another? Why is our first reaction not compassion? Well, here is, I've thought about it. You know, there's a couple of things that sort of came to mind. I think we are constantly in the midst of an ongoing comparison game with others. I think we are living our lives comparing ourselves to other people. We're sort of jockeying for social position. And yeah, it may hit peaks in, in, in certain times of life. Maybe it hits a peak when we're a teenager. Maybe it hits, it hits a peak when we're really thriving for position um, in a certain career. But it never really goes away outside of the power of God in our life. I think we're playing a comparison game. I think we are jockeying for some unseen position. And so when others' misfortune hits them in their life, our first reaction should be compassion for them. Our first reaction should be to lift them up in prayer, but oftentimes what do we do? We gossip because in a sort of a weird, twisted sense, it's almost like it's bringing them back to the pack. And if we look at our hearts, I think we say, oh, well, gosh, that's pretty, that's pretty dark. But I think when we look at our hearts, oftentimes if we are honest with ourselves, that's where a lot of that comes from. And that's why it says in the second part of this verse that they go down, those tasty trifles, the words of the gossip, they go down into the inmost body. Gossip changes you. It has an impact on you. You can't just participate, it, participate in it and think it's only harming those out there. That's reason enough. That's reason enough, but it changes you as well. Gossip causes cynicism in your life. It causes you to be cynical. Gossip causes it taken to its nth degree. It can be an open door to hatred. And guess what? On the sort of other side of that same coin, gossip robs you of your love for others. Let me tell you what, there is such significance and purpose in your life when you see the misfortune of others. And if your first reaction isn't just to gossip about and say, oh, can you believe what happened there? But your first reaction is to go to prayer for them. 
to get on your knees and pray for that person. Even if it's another person in in your sinfulness and and in your days where you're not walking in the Lord, you're jealous of them, or there's something that they have that you don't have, there's some position that they have that you don't have, they are are up up, up on the scale of that jockeying for that sort of unseen position in life as you see it in your life. But your first reaction isn't to look at that as a tasty trifle of a difficulty they're going through, but you get on your knees and you pray for them. The freedom, the freedom that we see in that is amazing because it honors our Lord. So we ask ourselves this then, if the, if the hidden admonition or if the understood admonition is that we are to change this, and we are to change this not in our own power, but we're to change this in God's power, how do we do it? How do we do it? First of all, why is it so hard to stop gossiping, causing contention, difficulty? Oftentimes, I think this, if we're honest with ourselves, large parts of certain relationships are built on gossip. Certain relationships, certain conversations that you have, think about when you get together for lunch or coffee with certain people, how often do you naturally transition into a point of gossip? How often is it sort of masked in a shroud of concern, right? A shroud of concern, but really what it is is you're sharing a tasty trifle. I think, I think oftentimes certain relationships are built on that, are built more than we want to admit upon sharing gossip. How much time? Think about a relationship that you have with a particular person when you get together for coffee or lunch, whatever it may be. How often are you gossiping? How often are you talking about another person in a way that isn't lifting them up and necessarily edifying? I think that's why it's so hard and so difficult. So again, you ask yourself the question, you know, the Lord's been convicting me, Pastor. Maybe you say before today, God's been convicting me and challenging me about this in my life. What do I do to stop? Again, everything that must be done must be bathed in the power of God and prayer. You cannot do it on your own. You ask God to help you and, and, and God to change your heart and you walk in his power. But then there are some practical things that you do. First of all, if you know that particular friendship group or that particular friend, you know that there's gossip in your life. It's going to be tough, but you know what you need to do? You need to confess it to them. You need to go to them and you need to say, I need to confess this to you, that, that I stir up gossip. I, when we get together, I talk about uh, so-and-so, or you don't have to necessarily name names. I talk about other people, and the Lord is challenging me with this. And you just be honest with them, and you say gossip is, part, is something I do way too much in my life and in this relationship, and I ask you to forgive me, and I'm going cha- to really plan to change my ways. Now, here's the thing. you got to understand it's going to be awkward at first, not only that conversation, but if your conversations that you have when you get together with that person for coffee, if 50% of it's gossiping, you're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for a little bit because you're rebuilding your relationship. You're rebuilding your conversations. And guess what, though? If you hold strong in the power of the Lord, you are going to see how much more edifying, how much more enjoyable, how much more you look forward to conversations with that same person when you're talking about things that are of the Lord and positive and spiritual and lifting people up. When you begin to change those conversations in those ways, you'll begin to see that that same time of coffee with that friend, you will look forward to that even more so because you'll, you'll see that it is a time of, of, of walking, in the, walking in the wisdom of the Lord, walking in positivity, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, confess it to that other person. Understand it's going to be awkward because you're going to be re- rebuilding that time and that entire pattern. 
But what do we do? Instead, practice these things in life. Proverbs 10, 14. Wise people store up knowledge. Wise people store up knowledge. But the mouth of the fool is near destruction. What do we do? We store up knowledge. Again, so often in our application portions of a sermon, whether they be formal or informal, one of the top things on the list is get in the word. And that's not because this is a broken record. It's because this is the truth. This isn't just a collection of sayings written down years and years ago of tales and fables and things like that. These are the very words of the living God to you. These are the living words of the living God. Not only if you follow these things will you see that he is always right in all things, but this is the way he changes your heart and changes your life. The wise people store up knowledge, not just any knowledge, but the knowledge of the word of God. Proverbs 18.4 as well. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Think about that same conversation over coffee a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. If you're one that is asking the Lord, helping you to change your ways of gossip, change your ways of causing contention, and you are walking in the word of God, you are building up knowledge, guess what? You begin to live out this verse. The words of a man, that same man, you, you are deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Folks, do you want to be that person? Do you want to be the person that walks in wisdom and be the person, be the person whose words are that flowing brook of the wisdom of God? May we strive for that, not in your power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, again, something that's so close to so many of us, something that we can so easily sweep under the rug, so many, something that we can so easily just sort of dismiss and say, oh, it's not a big deal. But Lord, how easily those tasty trifles go down, how easily our heart begins to change. But Lord, help us to see your ways better. Help us to not be the one who is causing contention, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but especially when it comes to that primary weapon of contention. Help us to be ones, if we see it in our life, that we're honest with ourselves. And when you lovingly challenge us, when you lovingly place your finger upon that sore spot of sin in our life, that, Lord, we don't uh, jerk back. We don't turn away from you, but, Lord, we say, please, please help me to take it away in my life. And, Lord, heal my relationships. Heal my reputations. Lord, and heal my life. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. So here's the thing.